This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are those not of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Kelly Dollinger. So, Justin, why are we doing this? Why are we putting together a podcast about our home staging business? It does seem like kind of an odd choice to use a podcast to talk about home staging, which is super duper visual. And now there's nothing for you to look at at all. My idea was this, is that we've got this industry that we see all these crazy things that happen, like so much fucked up shit. We get a chance to go back and see these things. We can't ever talk about them in terms of like the actual projects that we did. Yeah. And so if we just say things and we don't say like what the address is or who the mm-hmm. client was, then we can actually talk about these things. Whereas like on the internet, when you talk about it, people want to see a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And then your client's like, hey, that's my house. Why are you talking <laughs> about it like that? That's not fair at all. Right. So I figured this was a great way that we could be just a little bit clandestine. And this isn't necessarily about home staging this website. This is more about the industry, the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Um as a whole, most real estate podcasts are done by real estate agents and real estate agents have like this code of ethics that they have to take. Oh. Um, as we don't have that. We're, just, <laughs> <laughs> we're shady bitches. So we don't have a code of ethics um, that we have to follow. So we get to talk about the stuff that's actually going on out there, which is cool because we'll have real estate agents that will come on and we get to talk about the crazy stuff and they can just be like, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> so I think this would be um, an interesting way to look at it because we're kind of an outsider insider perspective. Right. Does that make sense? And we're working with clients and agents alike and we see everything. Watching all of the interactions um, you know because it's such a glossy industry. Everything looks so perfect from the mm-hmm. outside especially home staging. Like yeah. I had dinner with my cousin last week and I recently you know that I sold my house recently mm-hmm. yes. so we staged my own house and she was like oh you could never come over to my house and I was like why not? And she's like well I saw pictures of your house on, on Facebook last week and it's so perfect it's so oh my beautiful gosh. and I was like you know we moved out it's right also staged yeah <laughs> <laughs> none of that is ours that's she's not like, real she's like but it is yours I'm like well it's the company's like you know that's Spade and Archer's furniture in my house but that's not how we live like we took all of our furniture out we painted the entire thing we had it professionally cleaned and then an entire team of people came in you know with like education and background and even more so a perspective of that house that wasn't my perspective and they made it look flipping beautiful and I'm like you gotta understand man that's not that's not even how I live I own a home staging company I don't live like that because like little museums and aside from all of that and the ins and the outs you know the gossipy parts of the industry we also get to have a lot of fun with what we do in the real estate like our our slice of the pie is very fun we we get the cool part like we don't Mm -hmm. have to do like contract negotiations you know or like you know, seller buyer disputes or water infiltration. There's so many boring parts of real estate. And I feel like we get to do like the absolute most fun one. And so while there are more dr- 
dry parts of the real estate industry. Yeah. We have a lot of fun and we don't, there's nowhere else you can get that kind of perspective. So I think that with what you're doing with this podcast might really shine a light on for a lot of people in the industry, a side they normally don't see. The side that isn't quite so glossy because we spend, you and I, we spend our lives like, oh, just, you should probably know like what the hell it is that we do with this company. So I'm the founder of Spade and Archer. So we do home staging and Kelly, what do you do? What's your I do job marketing, <laughs> sales, everything you want me to do. <laughs> With uh, a limit. There's yeah. a limit. Yes. <laughs> kind of a catch-all marketing position. But yes. your job is to take our really, really shiny project and yes. make it even shinier. Um, and I think from the outside, Spade and Archer, we have this very, very polished exterior that we, you know, it looks like we know what we're doing all the time. And from the inside, it's like, you know, Mr. Toad's wild ride in here. <laughs> we're like, oh, good thing that turned out good. That's great. <laughs> well, it's also interesting because I guess agents can say this as well, but our, our business, even if we are working directly with a, a homeowner um, versus an agent, this business is still very B2B, business to business, because of course, a homeowner is now becoming a business owner. They're with one thing to sell. They have a house to sell. So we are always really looking for the win. So in terms of marketing and sales, it's really amazing because we are really just trying to make everybody win all the time. And that's really fun to do and being able to work with people much differently than say in other industries. Did you just say that that we have the B2C relationship that turned to a B2B because we changed that C to a B? Pretty much. What up, B? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. So for those of you that are not in (laughs) business, you want to just explain what the hell B2B and B2C Sure, business to business. Yeah, sure. So... You know, for example, for a lot of our um, most regular partners are real estate agents. They are coming to us. They're excited to expose Spade and Archer and our brand and our work and what we do to their home selling clients, which means that we are becoming a partner of theirs inside of a deal. We are becoming part of their listing team. Sometimes we may not be, you know, reached out to by the agent, but rather reached out to the homeowner because they want to take the lead in finding a home stager. But oftentimes, a lot of, and we say this all the time, we kind of advocate on behalf of the home seller, is that they may not know anything about business and not really be in business, but now they are trying to sell their home. So they actually need to put their their business mind on and make mm-hmm. really good business decisions and not emotional ones. And sometimes right. we shepherd them through that process. Yeah, we talk about that, that a lot. When people sell houses, they become small business owners. Mm-hmm. And as a small business owner, that is my life every single day. Yeah. And a lot of our sellers they want, they see themselves as clients. Like they're like, I'm the client. I'm the one who's paying you. You should do what I want. And I love that idea because I always think about like, okay, well, if I designed my business around what I wanted, what would that look like? And I'm like, well, it would be dudes and speedos <laughs> bringing me drinks all day long. <laughs> that would be my business, but I can't make any money doing that. And yeah. so it's really hard to get that B2C relationship, that that business of us to client relationship to turn into a business to business relationship. And when we do that, all of a sudden our seller sees themselves as a small business owner, they have one product to sell. And I guess it's pretty much our job along with the seller's agent and the buyer's agent and the seller and us, we all get together, we form a team, we get this thing sold. And our job is to basically trick a buyer into buying a house. Sure. (laughs) We we won. And we're trying to make sure, and you know, so much of the messaging we have about our company and what we do is we're trying to remind the home seller to be advocating for themselves and their end goal, not any kind of emotional goal, but their end goal, which is usually about selling the house 
quickly faster yes. for more money yes. with great offers and yes. like you know we want that smashing success story of a great broker open we want seven offers in the first weekend and we want all of those things and sometimes homeowners don't know exactly how to achieve that and so sometimes we're doing a lot of educating them yeah. in the process as well yeah. which I think helps us really stand out in the industry because we're so concerned with that being the win 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 for everybody I thought for sure when we were putting my house on the market I was like we're going to have to replace the all the countertops in the kitchen we have to redo all the tile. We need to, there was I, my list of things that I had to do to get the house ready for market was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And my real estate agent, bless her heart, she's going to be on the show later on today. She was like, no, 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 we're going to do a walkthrough without you and actually give you a list of what you need to do because mm-hmm. you're too emotionally tied to this. Yeah. And she was like, do not replace those countertops. They're mm-hmm. just fine. And just because I hated them, of all the people in the world that was going to buy that house, I was not one of them. And so I had to really put my own emotions behind it and not invest that money that wasn't going to give me an extra time. And sure. it's really, really hard to not do the things that you want to do this house that you love in yeah. a relationship with. Yeah. It is. We, we should do a whole episode just on your own process of selling your house. <laughs> That's I'm like a future. think of it right now. I oh my know. God. I think that would be such good content because agents can relate to that. Agents are constantly trying to meet their clients' needs but also within the parameters of their own expertise and they know it sells houses. Yeah. But then for anyone that's listening to this either down the road or whatever our they listener, are, our one are, are, right. <laughs> we love is you. A, Thank is you. A home, is a home owner looking to sell know that, that this is a huge part of, of what we do and working very closely and, and having that sensitivity. Because we know, not only did we know that before, but now you know that really freshly firsthand yeah. of how emotional this process is. It is. And it's just one of those things like you're trying to live your life. Yeah. You're trying to do your, you know, serve your Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> and take care of your mom and raise your kids and do your job. And now all of a sudden you have another full-time job like put on top of you, which is really the entire reason that we're talking about why we have this whole podcast is because the real estate agents are the ones that make it so that this is actually possible because this is their job. This is what they do every single day and they make it so much easier for you. And so we want people to just have that idea of what their lives are like behind that really glossy, beautiful yard Mm -hmm. sign. Didn't you have like, you know, Thanksgiving for like 18 people and then you're like, okay, everyone get the hell out. So stupid, ridiculous. So we packed our entire house and we packed our entire house. It was a, it was just under 4,000 square feet. It's five bedrooms. We had a house guest staying there, 18 people coming for dinner on Thursday. We packed everything except for the kitchen, the dining room, um, and the beds. And that was it. And so they're like, the house was like basically in boxes. When everybody came over, we served dinner that night. That was on Thursday. And then our crew showed up on Monday to like move us out. Everything was done. It was ridiculous. But I can tell you like the best way to like have guests leave really quickly after the end of a party is to have no living room furniture. Like there's no more for you to sit. So get the fuck out. The only way to sit is in your car. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. See you next year. <laughs> well, I think we are both very excited to bring all of our listeners interesting listener, information. Just one. Just one listener. Just one. Listener. Just one I promise. <laughs> There'll be more than one. My friends will listen. Okay. Good. Um, information about what it is we do. And I think there's a lot of mystery around what we do and we get to bring them kind of all of the good, fun, not boring parts of the real estate industry. Amen, sister. Let's do it. Hey buddy, what's your name? Cole. Cole, what is the most fucked up shit you've ever seen on a job site? Sex toys. 
So what's your name? Chanel. Chanel, what's the most fucked up shit you've seen on a job site? We found this like <laughs> weird chicken cutlet bra thing that you kind of like pumped up to make your boobs look as big as you wanted them to, like on oh, the day. It was like a choose your own adventure bra. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what's your name? Derek. What is the most fucked up shit you've seen on a job site? There was a <laughs> just, under the king bed full of massive dildos. Nice, like, like big ones. Really big. And you would think that if you're like, you're like, hey, the stagers are coming over today. Maybe we should like take the tote o dildos. We noticed in the ceiling there were big eye hooks and in the tote as well was a sex swing. <gasps> oh, was the ones that? that were totally labeled. Like yeah. it was like there was yeah. like there was a whole box that was just called Tie Me Up. Yes, I totally remember that. Yeah. We found in a couple of drawers multiple dildos that were kind of average. Size. I went once we were staging house, we moved the master bed and it was like a pipe, like a marijuana pipe, and just a dildo next to it. Just, just like the combo. It's the combo pack. They just come together. Kind of know? touching. Yeah. Someone's ashes in an urn inside of it. A dead body. Basically. We were doing a, a bookshelf. We're like moving around all the books and making them look pretty so that it get staged and take photographs. I pulled a book off the shelf and $10,000 in cash fell out of the book. And I was like, oh my God, it's just a pile of like, they literally made it rain like halfway through and there was nobody there. And I had to call the client and be like, I just found a bunch of cash <laughs> and it's exactly $100 short of being $10,000. I don't want you to think I took any money. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We don't trust banks. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh my God, this is terrifying. Hey buddy, what's your name? Niels. Niels, what's the most fucked up shit you've ever seen on a job site? Shitty person. Probably. <laughs> really shitty person. <laughs> what is the most fucked up shit a client's ever said to you? I love you. That's fucked up shit. What's the most fucked up shit that somebody like a client has said to you? One time my client, um, after never meeting her before, put her arms on either sides of my shoulders. She was <laughs> like, you have really long eyelashes. You're such a bitch. <laughs> What's the most fucked up thing a client's ever said to you? Everything was going smoothly. We put it in an office in a bed and then we brought in the dining table and the lady just started sobbing. She said that she liked everything with the dining table and she felt like if the dining table is in there, people think that is her. She's like, my entire reputation. Yeah. I'm All basically Taylor table. Swift by the time you put this dining table in here. Everything else was fine, but the dining <laughs> table was not. <laughs> So now we come to my favorite part of the podcast. This is when we're going to talk to the real estate agent about uh, behind their yard sign. So that whole idea behind the yard sign comes down to that idea that, uh, how many times can I say idea in one sentence? I don't know. We see these pictures of these real estate agents on their cards and on their yard signs, and they look like they have these perfect lives, and they work whenever they want to, and they just take luxurious baths and eat cheesecake all day long. And I would love to know what their life is like kind of behind that fancy yard sign there. So please welcome to the show one of our most special real estate agents that we work with, Beth Kellen. Beth is our number one producer in our Portland office, and we're honored to have you here. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. You don't just like kind of jump right into being a real estate agent, or maybe some people do, I don't know, but like clearly you had to like go to school or go to college or get a GED or something like what, what did you, what was your education? What was your background? Uh, my background is in human development and family sciences. I went to Oregon State. Graduated from the College of Home Economics. Wait for it. Okay. And so now you're like such a homemaker, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ask my husband. Yeah. 
<laughs> cooking and cleaning all day. I'm yep, sure. that's all, all I do. Yes. yes. No, I don't do any of it, and I don't even like to do any of it. <laughs> I mean, who really likes to clean? Home ec, it makes me laugh because I don't do any of those things. Hilarious. You kind of are in the economics of homes. Well, oh. no. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So it's yeah. just, you know. I like that, I like like that little, reframe. It's a, it's a spoonerism. Okay. Yeah. 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 But specifically, it was in with human development, family sciences, so like psychology and um, social work was what I thought. Yeah, because family sciences sounds like you're like making petri dishes full of babies or something. Yeah. (laughs) It does. It doesn't reproductive science. It doesn't really say what it is. It does. uh, It sounds creepy and weird. You were going to be a social worker? I was. That was my plan. You didn't know you were going to be a real estate agent? No. In fact, I tried very hard not to be a real estate agent. Why? (laughs) Like so hard. Why? Well, I grew up in the industry. Okay. Both my parents are in real estate. Okay. And I have always had this, like, I've got to go out and do this on my own. Like, heaven yeah. forbid, I have my way paved nicely for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just worried that people would think that I fell into it. Yeah, and that it was easy because, oh, you know, just uh, apple doesn't sure. fall far from the tree. When, mm-hmm. actually, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. <laughs> but the psychology piece of all your education definitely served you well, I'm sure. 100%. I I actually didn't realize how much I would feel like I was doing casework. I'm sure there's a lot of therapy in real estate. 100%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so your first job, were you like a transaction coordinator for your mom? Or were you like a lifeguard? Did you work at 7-Eleven? Like what was your, not before, like during school, what were you, did you work in the summers or anything like that? Yes. All those things except for 7-Eleven. Yes. I was lifeguard. <laughs> yes. And I didn't really do transaction coordination for my mom, but I did a lot of mailings. So I'm really good at labeling postcards. That is a a, a highly desired yeah. skill these days. It is. I mean, yeah. to be a real estate agent, you kind of need that. Uh-huh. Are we? Do, is postcards like are hard mailers, like things you actually hold in your hands, versus like internet marketing? Is that a, still a big part of what you do? A hundred percent. And do you find you get more reaction out of that than you do out of like paid Facebook ads or something like that? Yeah, I don't do any paid Facebook ads, but I do quite a few mailers to my clients. Yeah, to people that know me. You graduate from college. You start off in in social welfare, or you start off in real. <laughs> I, well, kind of a little bit of both. I was finishing my, I did take a job right out of college as a licensed agent uh, assistant. And I was kind of wooed by the money. It sounded like a lot of money at the time. And I thought, yeah, I could do this for a little while and thought I would give it a try. Where did you learn the most, like out of the shoot? What was your early like, this is where I'm going to like actually learn how to do this? So I was working for that year that I worked as a licensed assistant. I learned a lot. I learned all the systems that you need to, you know, transactions and how they work and the paperwork and, you know, how to show houses, how to set showings and appointments and things like that. Because it's not like you go to college and be like, I want to major in real estate. Right. That's not how it works. There are some people that do that, though. They blow my mind. It's a thing. Okay, because I know like you can major in like construction management now, too. Yeah. You can major in home staging. Yeah. I'm like, really? It took four years? It's (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole thing. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What do you absolutely love about your job? What's your favorite thing about being a real estate agent? What part of the process is the part that just makes you smile, makes you happy? I think that I most enjoy being like the little elf that comes in and just takes care of problems or leaves a little treasure 
for someone to enjoy the next day. Throughout a transaction, there's lots of problems to solve before and after transactions. And any time that I can take on the stress or help somebody preserve their energy to solve a problem or to bring them joy, I love to try to find those opportunities. So you're like the Marie Kondo of real estate. You're just like sparking joy left and right. (laughs) Yeah, I like to. I like to do that. And lots of times I like to do it without even, they don't even know that the problem happens. I remember once you and I had scheduled lunch and it just happened to me on my birthday. It wasn't a birthday lunch. I wasn't making a big deal about it, but you know, with the way that social media is today, it's almost impossible not to know when somebody's birthday is. And it happened to be my 40th birthday, which we were doing stuff, but just not on that particular Tuesday, whatever the hell day it was. You showed up at our lunch and you had a chocolate cupcake for me and you were like, happy birthday. And it was just this very small gesture but it meant so much more to me than like the 400 text messages that I'd gotten that day or the 50 Facebook messages that were like pre-programmed that somebody's bot wished me happy birthday. Like you actually went and you did something and really acts of kindness or acts of service or gifts is not really my love language. My love language is just touch. Yeah. But like you sparked joy in me that day. You made me feel special. So it was, was good job. You're good at that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that that's like my entire business plan in a nutshell make people like feel joy yeah so uh to our listener out there our listener is like you know a newly fledged real yes. estate agent just drawing their rings like you can make rings wings grow on their wings you can make an entire business plan out of being nice it's, it's true yeah being thoughtful well, I yeah. Think it's thoughtful about being, yeah especially if they're if they're younger maybe they're millennial i'm a millennial we constantly are making choices with businesses because we want instant gratification. We're like, everything we do, even having, we don't even go to restaurants anymore, have the food delivered to our house and we're removing people out of all of our transactions. And you cannot do that in real estate. There's too many problems. There's too many fires to put out and you want a good agent who can recognize problems before they happen, take care of them when they do and keep the transactions really human. And I think that's probably as a millennial listening to you in your experience, that's what I would take away if I were a new agent is to keep it human. And I think that there's always a DIY with anything that you do and real estate is one of them and there are platforms to do that. And that's not my business model. My business model is to make it as easy and effortless and as seamless and stress less because there's always an element of stress. But if I can take on some of that burden on behalf of the client, then Mm -hmm. it'll pay for itself in spades. When we talk about our customer service at Spade and Archer, we talk a lot about what is this person's motivation? What do they want? And how can we give that to them in a way that is also satisfactory to us as well? And I had an employee who was like, who said to me, you're very calculated. It hurt my feelings. And I was like, calculated seems like so negative and I wanted to try to find a word that met calculated but in a thoughtful way and what I, I what just from the thesaurus I went and looked up the word calculated and it says manipulating somebody to do something where they find displeasure in doing it like uh. they don't want to do it so you find a way to force them to do it whereas the exact same word as thoughtfulness is the exact same thing except for that you're motivating somebody, motivating somebody to do something through positive means versus through negative means and so I love that idea wow. of the same side of the coin as calculated versus thoughtfulness. And it's really, really weird to me that like, I couldn't identify the word thoughtful when that's like such a basic word in our language that, that, that would be used. So yeah, totally. 
enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> what scares you right now? What keeps you up at night? What freaks you out about <sighs> your life or your job or the world at large? What oh, is it? Let's not go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest struggle that I have that keeps me up at night is trying to figure out how to run this successful business in real estate, manage my clients' expectations, and yet still be with my family and not have them resent my work or feel like I'm not present. And I think not being present in life is just a challenge for all of us, right? Being present where we are. Especially because we have phones. Especially because we have phones, yeah. I think about when I was growing up, my mom would, the phone would ring at 9 p.m., maybe once a week, if that, because she was selling real estate, and I knew how to answer the phone professionally when she when somebody would call, and I you know I wouldn't be like mom somebody's on the phone. It was like right. one moment please, and I would you know watch her put on her work clothes and run across town to get a signature because it needed to happen at that time and it was before faxes and all of that kind of thing. And I remember those distinct moments, but they were fairly few and far between because things were just so much slower then. I don't remember that being a detraction from my relationship with her. She was always at my swim meets. She was always there you know, to pick me up from school. At one point, she made sure that she was not working from like three to seven because she wanted to be around when I was home from school. And I want to make sure that I am that same way with my kids. And it's super hard to do that with people's expectations of realtors. You and I are doing a transaction right now. You're helping <laughs> me sell my house. Thank you. It was very difficult as a homestager to pick one real estate agent. I work with like a thousand real estate agents. And so we left it up to the numbers. And Beth happened to be our largest producer out of our Portland office. And so we asked her to, to sell our house for us. Thank She's you. I am so job. very honored. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember that it was the day that all the bids were coming in because of course, multiple bids. Um, so all the bids were coming in and everything kind of had to be done by like 4 p.m. because that's when the deadlines were. I'm not exactly sure how all that stuff works, but you had a basketball game for your son. You're like, hey, I'm walking this basketball game, but I'm going to call you back in 30 minutes and over. And I was like, wow, fast because your kid's like how old? He's like, <laughs> he's eight. He's eight. Yeah. So like super fast basketball games. Yeah, he's on the fast track for the uh, NBA. Yeah. <laughs> You said to me, you were like, hey, I have to do this basketball game and I'm going to call you back in 30 minutes. And it took all the stress out of it for me because I was like, well, she's going to call back in 30 minutes. It wasn't that you set my expectations, though. It was that you followed through with my expectations. Mm-hmm. So when 30 minutes was up, you literally picked up the phone and you, you're calling me like as I hear like the final buzzer like <laughs> in the background. And I'm like, and you're like, OK, game's done. We're going to get into this thing and get these bids done now. And I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Fantastic. I don't know if it's necessarily about setting their expectations so much as it is about following following through with the expectations that you set under promise and over deliver, or you can do the opposite yeah. and one is good and one is really bad. Right. So kudos to you for, for making that happen. I love that. That's fantastic. You talked about your mom put on her work clothes. I would love to, cause this, this kills me. Like as a real estate agent, some days you're crawling through sewer lines and some <laughs> days you are showing houses and you're nobody actually crawls like, through sewer lines though. Gosh. That's like teenage mutant ninja Only turtles. The good us. agents do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have a stylist? Do you have somebody who like picks out your clothes for you? Like what, how do you get the right look? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I have the right look. Uh, so not my department. I had a stylist for a while. Now I have a gal that I just show up and uh, she's just with Nordstrom at the personal shopper. And I just show up like twice a year and she sells me a bunch of stuff. I call it good. And I hope that it all works together. And it kind of does. That's also how I furnish my house. Please don't judgment. I just pick things that I you know like. You're talking to, right? 
right? Like, we literally get paid to be judgy bitches. I know. That's why I was like, don't judge me on my house. But the furniture that we pick, it's just stuff that we tend to like, and it tends to go together, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't. And we, you love? But I think for the most part, I mean, I dress improperly for the day all the time because you wake up and you think your day is going to be one way, and it ends up being looking completely different. And that's kind of just the nature of being a realtor because stuff comes up and the weather, and you're going to show a house real quick. You know, you wore your heels that morning for that luncheon you were at, and it's kind of a clusterfuck, honestly. But I just make sure that I have sturdy shoes that are easily slipped on and off because uh, I take my shoes off and on all the time in and out of houses. So no thigh-high boots with yes. like laces all the way That's up. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And walking through the rain and the mud, and uh, so stilettos are out for me as well. I feel like socks would be really hard for females because I ended up at a house once I was really into the whole not sock thing and I was wearing loafers and I didn't have socks on and like I had to take off my shoes and then like my sweaty feet were like sticking to these people's floors and at that point it's like just lick their toilets like it's so <sighs> gross like it's just you're now like bonded to these people because your bare feet have touched their floors with women there's so many outfits that you wear where you can't wear socks how do you do yeah. you bring socks with you like yeah I learned a long time ago that I have to wear socks even if they're the the not socks kind of have a, a foot odor issue <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if get down to it, if we're yeah. gonna get real, if we're gonna get real here, I was a swimmer, so you know, athlete's foot, all that jazz, all yeah. this good stuff. And I made the mistake of, you know, you wear your flats and you don't wear something in them, like the knot yeah. socks. Yeah. And after a sweaty summer, they smell really bad. Yeah. Mine especially because I have a foot odor issue. Uh, and I remember going into a house and I took my shoes off, and the entire room immediately smelled like bad feet. Yeah. You know that smell when you get order fish and chips and they bring the vinegar? Yeah, that's what it smelled like. There's a guy on our crew when he takes off his shoes and clients are like, you need to take off your shoes and take your house. I'm like, you really don't want that. You really don't want that. You don't want that. My eight-year-old, we finally got him copper socks. So I, maybe I should think about that for myself. What are, what, um, what are copper socks? Yeah, the copper in the socks it helps. The it kills the odor in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, why haven't I not thought of this sooner? <laughs> so I'll just... I'll never forget. I walked in. I took off these shoes and I was like sitting on their couch and it was all I could do to like tuck my feet as far as I could underneath the couch in hopes that it would like keep the smell. And I remember at one point, I don't know if they were looking at me because my feet were under the couch or if they were looking at me because they knew that my feet smelled so badly that <laughs> I was mortified. They're totally be like, oh they're like God. Portland polite. They're like, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super. It smells, it smells so organic in here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good job. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> She's very down to earth. So um, we've been talking today about Stale Donuts, about projects that have languished on the market. And I, we would love to know, like, what is your go-to trick for a Stale Donut that has just been languishing? That's a very good question. I think I've always prided myself on being honest with my clients. And I found myself, actually, I really took a page out of Justin's book when he first started doing the consults. You would come in and apologize for offending somebody before you even offended them. And I do this, I learned this too in the depths of the recession when I would write a lowball offer, I would apologize for it. This is much lower than what you're you're probably expecting. And for that I apologize, but my buyers are, you know, serious buyers and, and I still use that to today. And I think that just by being honest and thoughtful or kind with how you present it mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world. And a lot of times I'll just I just start by asking questions like why don't you think your house 
household. What did you like about the process with the previous realtors? What would you like to see go differently? And really kind of learn from them. They're the ones that experienced it and went through it. Do you know why we started apologizing? No. So Well, it, I mean, like, I it's brilliant. My first or second consult, I walked into a house and just guns blazing. I was like, you need to take those curtains down and that teddy bear has to go and you have to change these countertops. And I turned around and there were like tears streaming down my client's face. Like I had emotionally wounded, wounded them, them because those curtains were super important because I don't know, you know, the mother-in-law had knitted them for him by hand or something. I don't know. They were emotionally tied to these things. And I started to realize that like these people have emotional relationships with their homes. They're members of their family. And so when I went in and, and just came in and started telling them like, no, you cannot, it was no good ski. So I originally, I had to find a way to deliver that terrible news that wouldn't break them in half. And the way to do that was to make them aware of the fact that I was about to say terrible things to them. Yeah. Because I'm usually the first person in their home that is not a friend or a family who doesn't love them enough to lie to them and tell them that their house is perfect. Yeah. Because when you go to somebody's house, you're like, oh my God, I love your house. It's perfect. It's fantastic. And you wait to say terrible things until you leave. Right. Then you say terrible <laughs> things. We don't say it right to their face, right in front of them. Yeah. Um, and so I'm the guy who has to say terrible things. And so I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm about to hurt your feelings. And every single person goes, no, there's no way you could possibly hurt my feelings. Yeah. And believe it or not, hurt people's feelings a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is bad. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. when you think that you're not going to. Now we're going to play a game called Most Fucked Up. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. <laughs> so what is the most fucked up thing you have done to get a deal closed? I mean, there are things that I catch myself doing all the time that I'm like, why How? Why am I doing this? <laughs> like the time I was seven months pregnant and my client had already moved out and she had worked so hard to get the house the way that it was and it was this old house and I brought over a friend to clean out the oven and I put on a face mask and like vacuumed up whatever in the tiles that were chipped in the other room that were probably like full of asbestos and lead-based no. paint and I don't know and no. just worried. Don't tell us which pregnancy it was because your kids right? are going to listen no. to this later on. Right. <laughs> worried about my firstborn's future. Yes, yes. Um, so there's lots of stories like that. Uh, oftentimes I'll, you know, be caught with a broom or, mm-hmm. you know, other random... Something wildly out of your job description. In my car, yeah. In that scene from American Beauty. Where exactly. She, like, she's the floor. Yes. yes. Okay, all right, all right. But, right. you know, like, okay, really, I'm talking, I want to know most... <laughs> fucked up thing you've done to close a deal. I get it. You swept a floor. Good job. (laughs) Now tell me the fucked up shit. Come on. All right. All right. The most fucked up thing I have ever done to have a transaction close was I bought a house. But you bought your client's house? Not my client's house. Okay. So, all right. Lay out the story for us. Okay. So... No names. No names. No names. This is Carol's house. This is Carol's house. And uh, I was representing her on the sale and she was purchasing another one contingent on the closing of her sale and her buyers had a house to sell as well that was under contract everybody was under contract they those buyers had a house to sell and contingent all, also contingent on the closing of all of them so we're a contingent contingent 
Contingent, contingent, contingent. So four transactions have to happen. It's actually five transactions, but it's four houses. Oh my God. Wow. And I had the two transactions on the very end of it. And so at the 11th hour, the first house, which I'm so far removed from, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't even know who the listing agent is. I don't know who the buyer's agent is. I I don't even know where it is, to be honest with you. The buyer's financing fell through. And so everybody had literally moved out of their homes. They so were, it was all supposed to fire, like was all supposed to fire within yeah. two days of each other. So people were like living on their grandma's living room floor, stuff in pods. My buyer had, my seller had half of her stuff in the garage of the house she was supposed to be buying. It was a nightmare. At one point I was like, well, maybe I should just look at buying that house. Like we could, I don't know, maybe that would be a good little rental. Uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> And a few more days goes by and we try to help the, that buyer get financing. And so now I've talked to the listing agent down there and everybody's working hard to make this work come together. And I started to think about it a little bit more and I'm like, is this crazy? Am I crazy? This is crazy. And so I called my financial planner and I called my rental management expert and I called a couple of agents because it's in a market that I don't work in. I called a couple agents down there to ask them about the property. Talked to my husband. Um, good, which good. Is That's a good one always to talk a to. Good yeah. thing to yeah. do. Uh, talked to my dad. Everybody kind of decided, except for my dad. My dad didn't think it was a great decision. (laughs) But everybody decided that it wasn't a terrible choice. And so we bit the bullet and we did it. You're like, hey, it's better than doing meth. Right. (laughs) There are a lot of worse things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a new rental. So you bought a house Mm -hmm. so the contingency could go through on the second house, Mm -hmm. on the third house, Mm -hmm. to the fourth and fifth, which you were then doing Mm -hmm. on the transactions. So, I mean, it was pretty far removed away from your client then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. So essentially all you did was like tip the first domino. That's all I did, you except did. for... I will admit, pretty fucked up. Did <laughs> you, did, were you able to get it rented? Yeah, within like 10 days. It actually worked out That's better amazing. than I thought. Fantastic. So what is the most fucked up thing a client has ever asked you to do? It doesn't have to be even like in a transaction or anything like, but just like somebody like, how dare you? And don't use any names, of course. We'll just talk about Carol and John. Well, it's kind of a twofer because I I should have known from the first transaction what to expect on the next scenario. I remember early on in my career where I probably didn't have as much of a backbone as I do now. I had a party at my house and I get a call from my client who was somewhat of a personal friend and they had purchased a home, gotten into contract on a house like on that Thursday and all their family was in town on Sunday and they wanted me to rush over and show them this house on short notice and I told them I had a house full of people for a barbecue. You were literally having a party at your house. Yes. At my house, but yes, barbecuing, summer party. Yeah. And somehow he bullied me into saying yes. And I remember hanging up the phone and I burst into tears because I was so pissed at myself. Right. When he asked, did you say no the first time? I did. Yes. And he persisted. Correct. And eventually you gave in. Yes. And so you're pissed off at yourself by the time you hang up. Yes. So that was early on. And then several years later, they decided they wanted to sell that house and they wanted to interview me because they knew me on the buy side, but not on the sell side. And I remember talking with them and they were like, well, we need to know what your plan is because we have a dog at the house. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And, you know, well, we, they basically expected me to pick up the dog for any showings because they were going to be at work. 
Now, I'm not opposed to actually going to somebody's house and picking up their dog for a showing, but I'm not going to do it for every single time, and I'm not going to do it when it's expected, right? right? Like, that's the little elf things that I'm going to do when Mm. the showing comes up last minute, and they're like, oh my gosh, my dog is still at the house, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to run, and I'm going to grab the dog, and we're going to go for a quick little walk around the block. Happy to do that. But there was like that level of entitlement and expectation that I just... What's really interesting for me about that point is previously you mentioned the scariest thing that the monster is being able to manage everything you want in your life. And here you are like telling stories about having a hard time earlier in your career with boundaries. Yeah. So if you're, if people who are listening are, there's not just one listener, just the one, just the one listener. (laughs) Thank you. One one listener who came into real estate because you had this assumption of, Oh, time freedom. And I can, you know, prioritize all of my things, whether it's kids or fitness or flex, whatever it is. All the things. It sounds like a lesson you learned over your career was setting better boundaries. Wholeheartedly, yeah. And I I used to pretend that when I was at work that I was not a wife, a mom, a sister, a daughter, you know, a friend. I was the professional woman. And when I was at home, that I didn't have a job. I was doing whatever my sure. jobs were at home. Yeah, mom. Practicing all that home ac you learned. All that <laughs> home ac that I have a degree in. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And what I realize is that that that's, for me, it works better when I actually harmonize the two. And when I let it bleed mm-hmm. into my conversations with people, like Justin and I talked about, that I told them I had to go to my kid's basketball game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, I've got to pick up my kid at 530 because I went through a period in my life where my husband was working nights and, like, I had to be there. Yeah. They were going to charge me, you know, $5 a, a minute, minute or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And I realized that most people were so respectful of that. And the people that weren't respectful for fuck them. I don't need to work with them. I'm not your people. No. We had a dog situation once. So we went over, we staged a house. Um, The client said, we're going to lock the two uh, standard size poodles in the garage uh, while you guys are staging the house. Well, they had this giant armoire that we had to put in the garage. And so when we opened the door to put the armoire in the garage, the two poodles ran into the house. One of them immediately started pissing in the living room. And so while we're trying to like wrangle that one who's pissing in the living room, the other one ran into the master bedroom and defecated on the bed. Oh like, I mean, with, and this all happened within like 30 seconds. So I get a hold of the real estate agent. I'm like, oh my God, this is what happened. And she's howling. She's like laughing <laughs> so hard. I'm like, this is not funny. This is that. And then the client gets to the phone and she's like, you should have known that was going to happen. I was like, how am I supposed to know that your dog was going to do that? And she's like, because she's the same thing to the real estate agent. I'm like, <laughs> I am a different person oh my God. than the real estate agent. She's like, but the real estate agent hired you, so you should have known that. And I was just like, oh my God, this oh is nuts. So she God. wanted me to pay the dry cleaning bill oh to God. clean her, her dog's dog. shit off her bed. <laughs> so now we have a rule, a, a line in our contract that says if there are animals on site, they have to be crated. Yeah. You have to yeah. put your animal in a crate because for your animal's safety, yeah. and you your bed's fucking safety. kill it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Terrible. I know a lot of people are animal people, but after you have been years upon years upon years of moving around furniture in houses that have been filled with animals, you start to realize like they really are not meant to live in homes. They're just (laughs) not. They're not supposed to be there. I get it. I totally get it though. What's the most fucked up offer you've ever been a part of? Like either receiving the offer or giving the offer, like as part of the transaction? 
Well, I had a really cool situation one time where my clients were, they're amazing. And we were in multiple offers and trying to do everything in our... Are you on the buyer side? I'm on the buy side, yeah. Okay. Represent the buyer. Trying to do everything we can to, you know, pick me, pick me, pick mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And we we had a house to sell. Um, so they were contingent mm-hmm. on uh, selling their house. Which and makes your transaction less yeah. attractive. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's the kind of a miracle, actually, that we, sure. we got it. But there was such a great camaraderie between the parties. And uh, my buyer owns a business here in Portland, and they offered uh, lifetime services to their business. To the seller, yeah. To the seller. Wow. If they accept the offer. Wow. And, like, was this, like, a valuable... Was this, like... Yeah, like, a single service is anywhere from, like, minimum $40 to upwards of 200 And it's kind of a reoccurring service, so cool. you could, like... You very valuable. Lifetime. It's a very valuable offer. Very valuable. Let's just say it was, like, hair styling. Let's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Let's just say it was hair styling. So, like, like you're in, like... So, like, I don't have to do your hair in, when you're in your coffin. Like, That's right. Sh- that's you're right. dead that's now. Right. Your right. lifetime right. deal is yeah. over at this right. Actually, I do maybe have to do it when you're in your coffin because that's, <laughs> that's part yeah. of your lifetime. Maybe, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do they want to look mean, good if it's open casket? If yeah. I die, do you promise to make someone do my hair? Yeah. I, t- I will pluck your eyebrows myself. <laughs> oh, yes. my God. That's so much love. Oh, my God. That's so important. <laughs> okay. What is the most fucked up thing you have seen during, like, an open house or a house tour, like, going through, taking a peek, you are walking through and you run into this? Yeah, I, I mean, besides, like, animal shit all over floors mm-hmm. and, like, trashed houses. And, oh, yeah, just it, during the recession, you guys, people just trashed their houses and left. There were short sales and oh foreclosures. Do you think they're upset they trashed the house? Yeah, or like I just... do, and they just didn't give a shit. So I saw a lot of that. Like, you would walk in, and that smell would hit you in the face. You know, you've seen, I've seen hoarders, that kind of thing. I've, I've walked in when people were, like, in the shower. I did not, like, I didn't walk into the bathroom, but yeah. I remember hearing, walking in the door and hearing the shower running and we're like, oh, I'm like, oh, we're coming back a different time. I don't even think they ever knew we were there. But one time stands out in my mind. I was showing one of my very dear friends in-laws houses and we walked into this like very suburban house we kind of all went our different directions for whatever reason, and I was the first one that ended up in the basement. And down in the basement, there was this raised platform with these lights shining on it and speakers and a stripper pole right in the middle of the stage. <laughs> And I was mortified. <laughs> Did you jump on? Did you get a little spin? Right. No. I watched oh Hustlers. God. And like, there was, you know, there's so many cool moves. I should have. Like, heel I, hook, foot hook. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Dag spin. Right? Oh, my gosh. I Yeah. If it had been with my friends, yeah, totally. We would all have taken a twirl. Who, who, who were you showing? Was it, was it, it, was it friends? in-laws. My friends' in-laws. Parents. So parents. parents. So parents and stripper poles. Sh- yes. Yes. Oh my God, you Great. write an autobiography just called Parents and Stripper Poles. My life is a realtor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yep. I think the most fucked up thing that we've seen as of recent, we're moving a master bed. And uh, behind the master bed was this giant dust bunny. I'm not kidding you. It was at least 14 inches in diameter. Just a huge dust bunny of like hair and dust and whatnot. And floating in the middle of it, like suspended five inches off the ground, was like open condom wrapper. Ew. No. 
<laughs> At least it was the rapper. It was yes. just the rapper. Yeah, it wasn't the condom itself. It was just the rapper. But like, you can't, you can't say anything. You just kind of like, you know, discreetly pull it away, and you say nothing, and you're like, they're like, how was the house? You're like, perfect. The house is perfect. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. I definitely didn't find a 14 inch dust buddy with a condom wrapper in it. That I thought you were gonna say today. a 14 inch condom no. wrapper. <laughs> it was the extra large one. Yeah. <laughs> Beth, it has been such a pleasure (laughs) chatting with you. If you are a real estate agent and you want to talk about your story behind the yard sign, reach out. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Beth, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Super fun, you guys. I really appreciate it. Chanel, what's a stale donut? It's a house that has been sitting on the market for a while and not moving. A house that's been on the market too long. A house that's been on the market too long. Well done, sir. Thank you. <laughs> What's a stale donut? Something that you get by mistake at a donut shop and uh, you regret it. How does it taste? Terribly. Uh, what's a stale donut? Still diabetes. <laughs> if you eat the stale donut, then you're still going to get diabetes. Still has sugar. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. So Justin, a certain demographic of clients that come to us, whether they're agents or home sellers, are people who are working with a home, they're trying to sell it, and it's not getting any traction. And it could be for a number of reasons. Maybe they were living in it, maybe it was previously poorly staged, or they really just want to get this house sold and it's just not going anywhere. And we call that a stale donut, right? Wait, there's bad staging? (laughs) Lord, don't we know. Don't we know? I thought all staging was exactly the same. And the only thing you should be concerned about is the price. Nope. Oh, it actually makes it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, stale donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, What's so, your advice around stale donuts? Uh, this is a term that I don't know, maybe like my first year being a home stager, uh, this woman, a real estate agent called me up and she's like, Oh my God, I have this stale donut. I need your help. And I was like, what? What's a stale <laughs> what donut? Is a stale donut? <laughs> and I was like, totally. I'll just come out and help you out about stale donut. I was just like, you know, <laughs> pretend like I understood what the hell she was talking about. <laughs> so yeah, still donut. Like it looks exactly the same as it did the first day it went on the shelf. Like, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful sprinkles and pink frosting and all that. And then you bite into it. You're like, ooh, that's terrible. Tastes gross. And my son, they, his, he goes to school and across the street from school is Voodoo Donuts sells a donut for between five and like, I think $12, something like that. Right. Just like an individual donut. His classmates go across the street and they buy like the frosting for donuts comes in these big five gallon drums, like those, you know, like a, Mm -hmm. like a work bucket and they sell five gallon drums of day old donuts for like $7. And so the high school students will go and they'll buy a drum of donuts (laughs) and then they sell them at school to all the other kids. Genius. (laughs) This is so gross. Uh, What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) So it's easier to sell high school students cheap donuts, but it's not easy to sell a home on the market that's been sitting for too long. So why don't we circle back and talk about that? (laughs) Well, I mean, if you want to throw your house into like a big five gallon bucket (laughs) with a bunch of other like stale listings and then sell it for a 98% 98% discount. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, your million exactly. dollar house is now worth like, you know, $200. That's not math, but I was Shh, close. Whatever. <laughs> I make things pretty, okay? Uh-huh, it's not uh-huh. about making things right with numbers. So it's been on the market for a long time. It's been staged. It doesn't look good. Now you're serious and you're like, okay, I'm tired of doing this wrong. I want to do this right. Tell us a little bit about what are we looking for with maybe some of the listing details versus aesthetically what we can do as a company, as a home staging company to uh, make it pretty again. Yeah. I think the big thing is we're looking to see 
if the seller is frustrated enough to do it right this time. So if we walk in the job site and they're like, well, it's been on the market for eight months, but we've had like 55 offers and we think that the furniture should stay here and we think we shouldn't do anything, but we want you to make sure that it gets sold. Mm -hmm. That person is not ready for us. It's the person that comes to us and they're like, we're super frustrated. We know it's not working. We know that we did not do it right the first time because clearly it didn't work. We need change. We need Mm -hmm. to fix this. That's the person who's ready to work with us because we're going to come in and we're the first thing we're going to say is like, take it off the market. Right. And that's terrifying Yes, to be like this house that you want to get sold, take it off the market because we're going to make it look a lot worse before it looks better. Sure. And tell me a little bit about the specifics. I mean, I don't know that much either, but if I'm a homeowner listening right now, the nitty gritty of listing it and getting it a new number. Yeah. 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 So it's every, every project that goes into the MLS is the multiple listing service. Yes. That's the one that lets all the real estate agents see the houses that are on the market. That's the one like, Redfin and Zillow and all those different websites they look at and Mm -hmm. every single listing has a number assigned to it. It's not your address, it's this number and they're chronological. And so the first thing we want to do is like get that thing off the market because we're going to take the entire thing apart and put it back together again. So if people are still coming to look at it while it's in that process, oh my God, they're never coming back. Have you ever gone on a first date before? Yes. Do you pull out your comfy sweats that have like maybe a little bit of barf on them? And like a scrunchie or do you like pull out like the sexy dress? The one that like, you know, shows off your best assets, which I'm going to say is your sparkling personality. Oh, thanks, Justin. (laughs) I appreciate it. Which one do you pull out? Like which one do you want to wear? Definitely the latter. So let's just pretend like you pulled out the barf sweats. Okay. (laughs) The ones that just like a little bit of barf. It wasn't enough for you to wash it yet, but you know, like it was gross. After that first date, do you think they're going to come back for a second date? Probably not. Probably not, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I look pretty good in sweats. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> my, whatever. My barf sweats Keep show off my, my best assets, <laughs> which is my ability to barf on cue. Continue. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> She's like, can you shut up about my bar sweats? <laughs> um, so we always figured that it's really, really hard to get somebody to come on a second date. And really the first time somebody comes and looks at your house, it's a date. We have a relationship with this house. Yeah. Like they've gone on a date with it. And if they recognize it as the same house again, they are not going to go back and look at it again. Mm-hmm. So if you can't oh. expect a second date if the first date didn't go well. So you want to kill the old listing and make the new listing look like they never even saw it. Like, like they wouldn't they- even recognize Yes. When I was when we were looking for houses, we were looking at like seven to ten houses a weekend. Let's just say it's ten houses a weekend for a nice round number, and there are ten rooms in each house—not ten bedrooms, but like you know, yeah, living yeah. room, dining room, bathroom. Yep. There's ten rooms, so you're looking at like a hundred rooms mm-hmm. in a day. You start to kind of yeah. lose track. Of yeah. what you've seen. After yeah. your first weekend out, you know every single inch of all 10 of those houses, no problem. I'm not the Yoda of spatial awareness, but like even me being able to, t- having that really good spatial awareness, I would start to get lost. And I didn't really know which house I was in. I didn't know which house I had seen. I saw myself looking at listings for houses that I'd already seen and being like, oh, I love that one. And if I don't really necessarily recognize it, because let's say you have a stale donut and it has like a dead bearskin rug in it and like a picture right. of a, like the bourgeois photo from the wife. Those are the things you remember, right? Cringeworthy. You don't remember the house at all. You just remember that stuff that's in there. So if we can get that really memorable stuff out and get new stuff in, make it look like a new person, a new, Mm -hmm. it's like a little home makeover, right? You know, a little nip tuck, a little something, something. (laughs) 
so if we can make that house look different, well then great. And maybe that's paint, maybe that's furniture, maybe that is, you know, re-photographing it, then it's also going to be a new price. Uh-huh. And a lot of people are like, we are not dropping the price. I'm like, you don't have to drop the price. Right. You just have to change the price. So maybe you're at 500 and we want you to go to 510. Or maybe you're at 500 and we want you to go 490. We're just going to move it just 10,000 bucks one way or another. Sure. Just so that it looks different mm-hmm. than it did before. And, and so different that, people will catch it. Different people will catch it because they're going to search a little bit differently. Right. So we're going to catch a slightly different demographic. Okay. And since the first time didn't work, what's that definition of insanity like? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. A different result. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing over and over again, different result. And it just, it doesn't work. So we're just going to try to do everything different this time. Right. And hopefully better. So the listing will be different. The pricing will be different. You know, we always, no matter what, whether it's a home, whether it's a stale donor or not, will recommend slight aesthetic changes that will really improve the value of the home or its ability to sell. Massive aesthetic changes. So by the time that we're done assessing, you know, the whole listing team is assessing a strategy to relist. We're doing all these things you've recommended. And no matter what, as home stagers, whether the home is a stale donut or not, we always recommend a number of aesthetic changes. What kinds of things, slight aesthetic changes. I really have to relist this. How much more work on the house will I have to do aside from just, you know, having stagers come in and stage it? And it really depends on like, you know, how terrible it is. Did Did the seller go into it and being like, well, if they can't see past the purple sponge paint on the ceiling fans, then they don't deserve to own this house. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that before where people are like, no, if they can't see past it, then that's their problem. If they can't see past something, you did a shit job preparing that house for market, period. Right. So uh, if it's something that's really big like that, there might be massive aesthetic changes. We had a client that was like, I'm not sure what, what was going on there, but I think maybe like lottery winners or something, but they had like started collections in the house and they had like their refrigerator was covered with like seven million magnets and then the tops of their cabinets there was like 45 baskets and then um, there was like a collection of like ladles and there was a collection of books and there was a like the whole house was just packed full with collections Mm -hmm. and they also like collected wallpaper so every single room had wallpaper in it sounds like chaos everywhere visual chaos everywhere and we are like you need to take all this stuff out every single thing and you need to take all the wallpaper off all the walls now mind you this project had been on the market for almost four years with four (gasps) different agents and what was the sale price like something like 1.5 1.8 something like that this is a couple years ago it had been through everything and they called us up they were like they had clearly had run out of money at this point they Mm -hmm. wanted to use our guaranteed program which is where you pay from closing if it doesn't work you don't but you don't have to pay us anything Mm -hmm. we just take a percentage of sales so they didn't have a lot of money left over because they had been on the market for years and we're like take all the collections out take all the wallpaper out we'll stage it we'll get it sold and they're like okay so in that case they had like a lot of work to do but the coolest part about that is that we came in like we painted it out like white like it was the most boring paint job ever. We staged it. We put it on the market and the thing sold in like three and a half weeks. And the client was actually upset. They didn't want to pay us. They were like, you didn't do anything. We're like, didn't we? <laughs> like, you know, the four years that you guys tried to sell it and then you came to us and then it sold like that's yeah, not a mistake. Reduce yeah. the chaos. It may be something really simple where like, you sure. know, you've got a bedroom that's hot pink that your daughter, you know, Emma, they're always named Emma. I don't know why every girl in every house I've ever sold, her name is Emma. <laughs> Emma loved her pink bedroom, but we're limiting our demographic because maybe the next family wants to buy it. Maybe they've got two boys. Maybe they don't have kids at all. Yeah. Maybe that pink room just doesn't apply to them. So we're talking about two different things here, two, two different points. One is kind of like, 
removing the nose. So like the chaos of the collections and maybe really egregious things like paint or whatever. The second thing is, is really staging for the demographic of the potential home buyer in right. a really thoughtful way. And we want that demographic to be as large as possible. Sure. And we've seen it with really simple things like even like a two bedroom condo where one bedroom is the master bedroom and the other bedroom is like, you know, an exercise den. An exercise den. Is that a real thing? You know, it's like where you have your desk and then there's like, sure. you know, your a treadmill or your something. treadmill yeah, next yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. it's your exercise your peloton. den. You fancy. <laughs> You've got tel- peloton. You're um, not going to catch a treadmill in my house. <laughs> If it's not pole dancing, I'm not doing it. Um, so yep. <laughs> with that, when you have a two-bedroom apartment like that or two-bedroom condo like that, we want to try to get that demographic as big as possible. So we're going to stage the master bedroom. Then we're going to put two twins in the other bedroom. And the idea there is that potentially a family of four or a divorcee with two kids or grandma and grandpa whose two kids come and visit often, their grandkids come and visit often, we just added three more demographics to that house. If this family does not have kids, they can totally tell how big that bedroom is that has the two twins in it because they know how big a twin bed is. Mm -hmm. But they could say, well, my desk would go there and my peloton would go there. And so, boom, done. Mm -hmm. There's no room for the pole, but you know, (laughs) maybe there is. I don't know. Does it have concrete ceilings? We're good to go. Okay, cool. (laughs) <laughs> All right, cool. So there's so so much advice in there about how to relist a stale donut. But uh, what do you do if you have to give up on a stale donut? Oh, like like what? At what point do you give up? Mm-hmm. It all comes down to finances. You know, do you need to sell this house or do you want to sell this house? Mm-hmm. Is it a matter of price? Because everything will sell at a certain price, and so everybody wants to try to get as much ma- money out of it as we possibly can, of course. But if it comes down to it, like if you're going to make more money by renting it than you will by selling it, maybe it's time to to rent it instead. There, it's it all comes down to the numbers. Like which one makes the most sense for you number wise, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't make sense for you number wise then you give up man that's that's just that's it that's mm-hmm. time and really your choices are either you approve the aesthetics or you lower the price because there are three factors of selling a house there's location aesthetics and price those are the three things that determine if the house gets sold or not right so you can't really change the location so you really only get to, to mess with two things how it looks and what it's priced at mm-hmm. and that's it so mm-hmm. make a choice and the most beautiful thing about if your home doesn't sell, at least if you went with Spade and Archer guaranteed. Oh, you didn't pay us anything. You didn't pay us it anything. It didn't cost a dime. It didn't cost you any money. Which is so you don't amazing lose any money with us, people. to me because every other home stager in the world, right. they're paid to fail. So like if you sell, let's say like you're selling a house, like if you don't sell that house, do you get paid? Yeah, no. No. Does the real estate agent get paid? Mm-mm. Does the home stager get paid? Yes. Yes. That is messed up. But with Spade and Archer, with guarantee, like if the house doesn't sell, I don't get paid. You don't get paid. Right. They don't get paid. No one a listing team. We have like super aligned goals. Yeah. We want this house to sell for as much money as possible, as quickly as possible, because we all want as much money as we can get yes. as quickly as we can get it. Mm-hmm. So let's all work together and do this the same way. Totally. It's amazing to me. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for talking about sale downs with me, Justin. Okay, so uh, this is pretty much the end of our episode. It's over already? I had such a good time with you. I think I might want to keep you around. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad. Join us next time. We'll be talking about... What are we talking about? I don't know. I don't think we heard that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I really don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be some fucked up shit, right? And please, whatever you do, stop hiring bad stagers. We'll see you next time. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.